Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's show, we will talk about real estate development. And if you look at the definition of real estate development on Wikipedia, essentially, it is a business process that encompasses a wide range of activities from the renovation and releasing of existing buildings to the purchase of raw land, the sale of development land. And essentially, real estate developers are people and companies that convert these ideas from paper to real property. Now, to really help us understand this area in detail, our guest on today's show is Morgan Miles, and Morgan is a senior development manager with a real estate development company called BN Hoffman. BN Hoffman is one of the premier real estate developers in Washington, D.C., and as part of this company, Morgan right now is working on a very exciting project called The Wharf. It is one of the largest mixed-use development projects across the entire East Coast in the United States, and you can further check out its website at www.wharfdc.com, where you can see a lot of exciting details about what this project includes. Now, coming to Morgan, she has spent almost all of her career in real estate. She started out as an assistant project manager with the Archon Group for close to four years. She also spent some time as a summer associate with the Trump Organization. And then she spent some time on the more financial aspects of real estate when she worked as an assistant vice president at M&T Bank, where she worked in commercial real estate lending. And then, of course, more recently, she's been working with BN Hoffman as Senior Development Manager. In terms of her educational background, Morgan has a Bachelor's in Architecture from University of Virginia, and she also has an MBA in Real Estate and Finance from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. So I really hope you enjoy today's discussion. As you'll find, Morgan has a lot of passion and interest in this space, and she shares a number of great stories and insights that really give you a glimpse into what is involved in managing such a large project with so many moving parts. So I really hope that you find today's discussion helpful. And without further ado, let's welcome Morgan to the show. Hey, Morgan. Hi, how are you? Good. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Oh, absolutely. I'm really, really excited to have you on the podcast. And it seems that you're doing something so, so cool. So uh, I can understand that you're really busy. We've been trying to schedule this podcast for so long. (laughs) But you're working on the largest real estate project in DC. So largest in terms of what? Um, So I could uh, give you some context. So I work at the wharf. It is one of the largest on the East Coast besides Hudson Yards in New York. For the first phase, we're developing 1.9 million square feet. Uh, So that includes three hotels, two office buildings, approximately 650 apartments, 200 condos, 6,000-person concert hall, and ground floor retail across the entire site. So as you could tell, um, we're pretty much developing wow. a, a little mini city um, along the southwest 
waterfront of DC. That's amazing. And and you are sort of the one managing this entire thing? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So I am in charge of two of the hotels. So there are three hotels that are going to be on site. I'm in charge of two of them. Canopy by Hilton, uh, we're building 175 keys. And then we're building a Hyatt house, 237 keys. Wow. But okay. um, so I'm in charge from the design, construction, entitlement, permitting, financing, operations, you name it. And we could go into more detail, yeah. but everything it takes down to the shower cap um, <laughs> wow. in the hotel. <laughs> But so. wow, this is amazing. I mean, two of the three hotels, that's a big deal. You're a big deal. You must be a big deal in DC. Um, uh, I, I'm known. I'm known. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's interesting to hear sort of just, you know, the lexicon that you're using. So you refer to the number of rooms as number of keys. Yes. Okay. And that's like real estate speak. Uh, well, that's in terms of hotels. Um, you would say keys. It's the same as guest rooms. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when you say for the wharf, so what is, so the names of the hotels are Canopy by Hilton. And what was the name of the other one? And Hyatt House. And Hyatt House. Canopy by Hilton is the newest brand by Hilton. The first one that is open, uh, just recently opened the beginning of July in Iceland. It's their new lifestyle I want to say boutique, but it's kind of three, three and a half star hotel. And then Hyde House is an extended stay as a part of Hyatt. Okay, I see. Wow. And and so what does the wharf refer to? The wharf refers to the massive site, the project. I work for the owner. So we're the owner and developer. I work for P and Hoffman and our joint venture partner is Madison Marquette. And so when you were reading the announcement, Hoffman Madison Waterfront is the entity for both of them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, I would love to hear more about, you know, just how does a project like this work. But before we get into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself first and just your career path so far? Sure. Well, I would say I have been in real estate now for 10 years, minus the two years at Wharton. Um, I majored in architecture at UVA. I knew, so I worked at an architectural firm going into my fourth year when I was in school. And pretty much I sat and did AutoCAD window details the entire Mm. summer. Mm. I was just like, yeah, this wasn't exactly what I wanted. And I want to kind of build on that skill set. And it it didn't incorporate a lot of my strengths and my interests. So I ended up working at Harley-Davidson in January of my fourth year. It was just a winter externship. They were building a museum um, that opened back, I believe, in 2008. This was 2006 at the time. So I worked with Harley-Davidson's design team and development team. And I realized I was like, Hmm, I kind of like being on the owner side as opposed to working as an architect. So mm-hmm. I manage the architects. I manage the, the engineers, um, like mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, interior designer, landscape architect, the whole project team. But I like it more from a management perspective as opposed to 
just doing all of the details. Um, So then I ended up after undergrad, I worked at Archon Group in real estate development and built an office building in Hanover, Maryland, about three miles from BWI Airport. So I got my hands wet, but I wanted to learn more about the financing side, a little bit outside of the box of just the construction and the design. So that's the reason why I wanted to go back to school. And I uh, went to Wharton, got my MBA in real estate and finance. During that time, worked at the Trump Organization. And then after school, I worked at M&T Bank for two and a half years Hmm. in New York City in commercial real estate lending. So in that space, I was um, giving money to developers. So it's all like I pretty much have sat at various different parts of the table and I have a different perspective in terms of like um, when I started working at Pete Hoffman, we had to close our loan and it was for my two hotels is 112.8 million. And I worked with our finance team to get the loan closed. So everything I would say since the beginning, it's been all about real estate and I'm definitely passionate about it. Yeah, I know, definitely. And I think you have a very interesting background because as you said, you have, you know, you have a background in both architecture and then through your work experience, you now know the financing side and the management side. So does that, does that sort of give you a unique edge over someone else in this field because you actually understand how buildings are built? Um, That's a very good question. Uh, So I would say the good news about real estate development is there's no one career path. You have to do this. You have to do that to get to that point. People have very, very different backgrounds. And so with my, in my case, like I have a variety of different experiences within real estate from the architecture side to the development side, then also with acquisitions, uh, and then also on the lending side. I would say that as a real estate developer, you touch all those different points, but it has helped me with my project. Um, for example, when we were closing the loan of uh, for my two hotels, it was $112.8 million. I was working with my finance team and and getting the, the deal done. And it, it definitely helped with my background. Mm. But I wouldn't say that it's a requirement or it's kind of put me on edge like um, in any way better than it the next person, but you just utilize your strengths and and you focus on that. And that's what I've been able to do. I see. Okay. And I, and I remember the, when, you know, when we were just discussing about the podcast before you'd mentioned that how your background has also enabled you to identify the right people for your project. So even though you might not be able to do it yourself, you know who the right person is. Yes. Yes. And I think that's huge with at least my job. Uh, because you can't possibly know every single thing on your own. I would say like I am the quarterback for this hotel development. I worked with I work with our architects uh, to do the design. I work with our interior designer. I work with our landscape architect, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, our general contractor through the construction. And then also um, both of the brands, I'm the main contact with Hilton and Hyatt, as well as the operations component 
Concord Hospitality is our hotel operator. Mm-hmm. So we, I work with them to make sure that what we're designing is going to actually be able to be operated. And then in terms of furniture, fixture, and equipment, every piece of furniture <laughs> needs to be in that hotel before um, we open. So I deal with that. And then also finance with lending, our investors. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Oh, the city, DCRA, to, to get permits. And then also zoning. We're right now working with the neighborhood commission uh, because we're trying to get approval for our rooftop bar. So there's so many things uh, on a day-to-day basis. No, definitely. So many people that it's, it's everything. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really awesome as well as pretty crazy if you have to manage so many very different functions. So yeah, so can you give us like a very brief overview of what is real estate development? So that's an interesting question because every company does it differently um, in terms of some, and I think you had mentioned this before, some companies don't focus on the construction aspect of it and they're a little bit, they're not as hands-on. We're very, very hands-on. So it's pretty much purchasing the land, uh, dealing with the entitlements and, and zoning and getting the right use. There's the actual like design, construction, and then property management and operations. And depending on the companies, what role you play in the process. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess as a real estate developer, you can specialize in various kinds of real estate, right? Whether that's housing or office buildings or it's yes. hotels. Yeah. Yes. In terms of, uh, so I, I've worked on office. I've worked on, obviously I'm working on hotels now. Uh, when I worked at M&T Bank, I worked on all the different property types, uh, multifamily, even some industrial uh, and retail. So right. some companies focus like on a specific property type and others might be like mixed use. But for the most part, there is a separation between commercial real estate and residential mm-hmm. real estate. Nice. Um, one thing I should clarify though, multifamily, so like apartment buildings, that is a part of commercial real estate. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yes. So it's just your single family homes or like uh, smaller homes that are not part of commercial. Oh, I see. And why are multifamily in commercial? Because it's more of an, it's a huge building and it's, it's a bigger business. Like a person that is, I would say like Toll Brothers is a home builder, but they're not going to do huge apartment buildings. So it's just classified okay multifamily is a part of commercial okay and and by multifamily you mean in a single apartment more than one family can live oh no oh sorry no an apartment building oh i see okay yes so an apartment built so if they're developers like avalon bay they Uh, do a lot of multifamily apartment buildings got it so just your normal like apartment interesting okay i should know because i live in an avalon bay building okay got it oh Interesting. Okay, so that means that if you're building like single houses, that's that's a residential. But if it's multi like multi apartment buildings, that's commercial. Wow, I didn't. That's had a no part idea. of commercial. It's 
And now you're making me, I'm like, I think that's what it is. That's what I've known for uh, 10 (laughs) years. That's all right. No, that's all right. But if you Google it, I I was like, I hope that's (laughs) That's okay. We if if that's not right, we can uh, we can sort of add an edit note later. But yeah, that's good to know. So, yes. And I'm guessing that you know, as a real estate developer, does your job vary quite a bit depending on what kind of real estate you're developing? So yes and no. I would say the overall, like the land development, vertical construction, all of those components are pretty similar but in terms of like in in the way that they're different I personally think that hotels are are a lot more difficult than some of the other property types Uh, just because for example with hotels we have to build every single thing for it to open everything from the pillows to the beds to everything in the lobby to the bar to the alcohol that's in the bar (laughs) to the shower caps to every single thing needs to be there so it's the design the construction and then that portion getting all of the it's called ff&e and os&e and that's furniture fixture and equipment and then operating supplies and equipment everything needs to be in in the hotel for it to open but in an example like an office building, you do the core and shell. So you do all of the common areas, the lobby, and any place that's common for everybody. But the actual spaces are done by the tenant, so tenant improvement. So when an office building has to open, they might not have all the tenants in place and all the tenants might not have built out their space. But that's an office developer is done at that point with okay. the building yeah. versus I have a shower cap to put in in 412 <laughs> rooms. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So. I am so curious now. And so it's, it's great that we have you on the show who is working on hotels, which is the most complicated aspect of real estate development, it seems. Well, there, and I don't want to downplay because everybody has their challenges leasing and all of, right. so I don't want to say one is, <laughs> better or yeah. um and then also there are like hospitals and there are um there are other built like buildings that are difficult so I wouldn't say the most difficult but it's definitely yeah. challenging <laughs> no I am I am sure yeah so so yeah let's why don't we take you know a hotel development project that you have worked on and sort of walk through the project end to end just to understand well, what is it like so if I want to do um, that from like P and Hoffman's perspective, we've been working on the wharf for about 11 years. Wow. Um, that's I, that's a difference between development versus like financing or lending. Lending, you'll see several deals all happening pretty rapidly. It might take a couple of months, but you see a lot going on at the same time mm-hmm. with uh, development we're working on the same thing for a long time. So you won't, there's so many things that are going on during that time, but you're not going to purchase the land again. You're not going to, you're going to get your permits, but pretty much that's the end of the permitting stage. So it's like not as much repetition with like multiple deals. It's the same thing. So to go back to your question, start to, 
at what point? Because that, <laughs> that's yeah, a pretty no, I can completely. A loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to understand is that let's say, you know, you're completely new to this industry and you're just trying to understand that if you look at a real estate development project, what are the key stages? So as an example, maybe from a real estate development project manager's perspective, right? So you probably start with, okay, we want to develop a hotel. Let's identify where do we want to develop this hotel? What kind of hotel? What land? And then the next stage is actually building it. Then the next yes. stage might so, be marketing it. Yeah. So I would say the first stage is acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So that like the purchasing. And then there's the due diligence portion where you're trying to figure out what use is the best use, um, where that's the whole like planning, just kind of site planning. Mm-hmm. Uh then once you have kind of a high level perspective, it would go into the entitlement stage. So that's where it's zone, um, zoning and permitting. You would want you want to make sure that what you want to build, you actually have the use approved, um, and that's a very long process. Okay, because it's dealing with everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone in the city, every neighbor. I was. Earlier this week, I was at an ANC, it's um, Advisory Neighborhood Commission meeting. So it's a public meeting with everybody. I feel like no person that's supportive will actually attend that meeting. Anybody that isn't will be there. Um, So it's that zoning process is a very long process. Then Then it would be the design and completing the design. And during that time, it's getting financing, doing the performa, making sure that the deal makes money, all of that, getting investors. Um, after that, I would say the start of construction and then the FF&E, OS&E, again, as well as like operations and then you open the hotel. This Yeah, that's a pretty long. So if, if, I, if I have got all the stages, so there was the acquisitions where you actually buy is it, are you are you acquiring an existing hotel or no well it it depends and it depends on what what works and what's available sometimes it's a uh, major renovation so people will buy like an office building in new york city that's very dated and it's class b so that class a is the top well trophy but um it's not at its best. It's kind of aged and they'll do major renovations. Mm-hmm. So you could do that. You could also buy a building and then knock it down and build completely brand new. Mm-hmm. Or you could build it. You could um, buy, a, um, excuse me, a building and not do anything to it. For some reason, you think that somehow you can make money off of whatever. So it, it really depends on on land, the opportunity, how much you're willing to spend, how yeah. much money you have. Yeah, no, definitely. I, it, so the, the one thing which I'm very curious about in this, what you described, is how do you assess that opportunity? So what are some, some of the key things that you look for when you're assessing these different properties? So, and I don't want to say that I've worked on the acquisition side, but very briefly, it's a whole nother animal. Um, It's so it's a lot more like number crunching and making sure that the deal works. So how much you're putting in, how long 
it takes to finish the work, how much it will cost, and then how much return you will get at the end of the day and how much you will be able to give your investors. And so there, it really, it depends because you could, you could pick something, you kind of have to have passion and like believe in your project because I know our um, CEO, Monty Hoffman, he started uh, um, with working on the wharf. He's been a, a part of um, Pete Hoffman since 1993 when he, he started it, but working on the wharf for 11 years. This place before was very, very underutilized and everybody around him didn't think it would be possible. But he's like, he's believed in this. He's believed in this project since day one. Mm. And you could see it now. Everybody's like, wow. Like, I get random requests all the time from different people, LinkedIn, and somehow they find my email just to take a tour, sell their project, sell their products, services. It's just, it's huge. So going back to your question, there are a lot of different key components when you're trying to acquire. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing from a developer's point of view, there are certain things that you specialize in and then you identify properties where you can see that vision that I, th- I think I can see something like this 10 years, yes. 20 years down the line. Yeah. And also the time of the market is is huge because what was going on here like um, not too long ago if you buy when it's really, really high, it's going to be unfortunate because it's going to be very, very difficult um, to complete that project. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the acquisition of any other asset. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the next stage that you defined was the due diligence stage where you actually are figuring out what is the right use of this property. Yes. Right. Okay. And again, you know, also to understand your role as we discussed the entire project, as the as the real estate project developer, you are project manager, you are involved at all of these stages, right? So I started about a year a year and a half ago. And so I started, we already had um, Hilton and Hyatt on board. We didn't finish uh, the franchise agreements at that point, but we were moving forward with both of the brands. Mm-hmm. So I missed the first part of this, but I've done, I worked on that when I worked at Archon, okay. trying to figure out what to do with the site. So I don't know it from the wharf perspective. I kind of just started at the, I would say design, but okay. then there was, there was a portion of uh, entitlements that I had yeah. to deal with as well. Yeah, but like, in a, but in a general, persp- in, a, in a more general sense, generally, the project development manager would be involved across all of these stages. Yes, yeah, right. depending on how the company is structured. For sure. Uh, but yes. Yeah. So yeah, so you said that at Archon, you had some exposure to the to the due diligence piece where you're assessing what could be the potential use of the property. So can you share examples of, let's say that you've acquired a hotel, what are the different kind of uses you might come up with? Again, I'm asking as a layman. So as a layman, you you would be like, okay, so I've acquired a hotel and I guess I should just renovate it and run it. So what are these different uses? You just give me like five examples, right, that you could come up with for sure. a site. Um, well, you you want to know what's in the area, because you don't want to build 
a huge mall, for example, if Mm. there's a mall two minutes away. Mm. You don't want to build like a huge office building if there are like five office buildings that are under construction um, within like a five mile radius. Um, Location to the metro and accessibility, site accessibility is huge in terms of developing what you might want to have. And then like, for example, apartments, more than likely there'll be some type of parking situation. And so you might not have to be as close to the metro. There's so many factors that go into it. And then seeing how much, like for if you wanted to build a hotel, how much um, ADR, which is average daily rate, how much you would think that you could get. Um, and that's learning about other hotels and other comparables and the market. So it's it's not just one thing and there's a lot of back and mm-hmm. forth between this and trying to come up with the best use for the site. Right. No, but that helps a lot because you know, now immediately I can be like, wow, yeah, you have to think of so many variables. Like where is it located? Is there good yes. public transport nearby? What kind of money would people pay for this site? So, okay. All right. That helps a lot. So so this was the due diligence stage. And then the next yes. one was entitlement, where you're trying to get the permits and the use approved. So at that point, you're trying to get zoning. The permits, so right now I'm dealing with permitting. Um, and permitting is so you could physically build. So I'm working with the city to get, and it's various different departments and disciplines Mm -hmm. between energy and green, between the Department of Health, between DOEE, stormwater. I'm trying to think of what, and this is bad for me, not, I know all of the (laughs) acronyms, but all of the environment. um, That's all right. DDOT, so that's the Department of um, Transportation, all of the different agencies we need to get approval but that's more that's a later point and so that's permitting but the zoning part is can we have a bar excuse me can we have a hotel at this site is it zoned for this particular uh, apartment building for an office so whatever use you're getting approval for the use i see i see i see i see okay but this is very interesting because the permitting you are you are actually interfacing with so many different government bodies. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. yes. We have, and actually I I lead, we have biweekly calls um, with DCRA, which they're the regulatory affairs. Mm. And they they give us the permit. We need the permit so we could physically build. So I'm in charge of the permit calls for the entire wharf. And this is, I guess it's because we're, were huge uh, development within DC. There, the government agencies are giving us the time <laughs> to speak with them. So uh, we go over the permits that are pending and what what needs to get done. Um, it's just it's a thirty minute call, but we touch base and and want to be top of mind because it's it's definitely a process working with yeah. all of the different agencies. I was actually on the phone earlier today with DC water. So they're, they're interested in how the water will be connected uh, and the sewer and um, the sanitary will be connected oh, to our building. And yeah. they're always, they're 
there are a lot, a lot of yeah, lot of I, cooks in the kitchen. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's quite a lot of <laughs> cooks to yes. handle, right? So, can you share examples of the kind of concerns that you get? <laughs> so that's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> every agency has how do I put this? They have stickler points. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain aspects because I'm trying to get my full building permit. I I got a permit back in February so we could do the superstructure, which is basically the concrete portion. So we could start the vertical construction, but now it's the full building. So well, I could give you an example. I had to, back in February, um, I was dealing with zoning and we had added a stair on the roof but it was per code we needed an egress stair so people could exit so it was code compliant Mm. but we couldn't get approval from the zoning reviewer because he's like well there's a change from what was approved during the zoning like (sighs) so I had to get my attorney, um, our land use attorney. It ended up being, I won't even tell you how much because he <laughs> charges a whole lot per hour. To, he had to talk to the zoning administrator who was, at the end of the day, this person's boss's boss's boss, but it was because of a stare and because of like things that it wasn't an issue, but he would not approve yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was... Yeah, yeah. A lot of fun job. You have a fun job for sure. (laughs) All right. No, that that's helpful because I guess these kind of negotiations and just sort of getting so many different people on board. I I guess Mm -hmm. that's in in and of itself a big part of your job. So yeah. Yes. Uh, Yes, and that that's even within my own company because someone might think this looks good, but then the others like. No, that's awful. Yeah. Um, that goes down to like the brick that we're using on the first floor. Um, the glass, we have huge curtain walls, so huge glass walls, picking the right reflection, the color, and a whole lot of other things that I'm not going to get into. Yeah. But there's just every, there are a lot of cooks in my kitchen. And then on top of that, we need to get brand approval. So, at the end of the day, I need to make sure that we're building the two hotels so we could have a Hyatt house and we could have a canopy by Hilton. They need to sign off on it. So there's a whole nother level of cooks in our kitchen. Yeah. So so I, I want to get to that, just, you know, all the key stakeholders that you have to manage. But coming to the design phase, when you started talking about the, the glass walls and everything. So tell me a little bit about like you, you you talked about this a little bit in the beginning, that how down to the shower caps, you have to make sure that everything is in place, right? So how, at what level of decision-making are you involved? Um, so I would say, and I think this is it for any job, you know, you know the strengths and the weaknesses of your project team. Mm-hmm. So you know who you could trust who you need then to watch over and make sure that they're not spending a whole bunch of your money because there are certain members of the team that love things. And yes, I love it too, but I also love to be under budget. Um, 
they don't have to pay. It's not their money. So they don't have that interest. And so they want to pick, this is, this is a beautiful feature. Um, so there's, there's a lot that goes on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if you were to talk about sort of the key, call them KPIs, right? Success KPIs that you always have your eye on, what would they be? I would say budget and schedule are the two top okay. items. So that's what you always have your eye on. Yes. Okay. Now, at the end of the day, I don't know many construction projects that open early. Um, and I, <laughs> like they weren't aggressive enough, I guess, with their when they were scheduling and all like um, planning it out. But I, there, there's so many things that can happen um, that it's 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 hard to. I don't want to say that it. There are never uh, projects that open early, but it's it's very very hard. And I could use an example in the basement of our current office building. We built a model room for Canopy by Hilton, and we had some of the senior executives come in to review the model room. And at some point, actually, Chris Nassetta, who's the CEO of Hilton, is coming to review the model room. That said, I think it was 10 days before we had our large meeting, we noticed on the drapery, there was some, it almost looked like tar or whatever was on the drapery. I, I, I felt like Oh my good! Like I know that it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. No, but it is. <laughs> I called my procurement agent immediately, and I was like, "We need to get this. Like, here's the picture. Yeah, get it. Whatever. Like, just get it here. It needs to be installed. Like, and it's multiple components. After that, of like going out to wherever it was purchased, making that particular drapery for us. Yeah. So there's so many things that could happen. Yeah that you're not aware of. And that's just, that was one room. So, um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I completely (laughs) understand. There's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. All right. So, so that was the design phase. And then of course there's the construction phase, which, and again, this is something which sort of struck me as pretty unique, which is that you as the real estate project manager for this one, you're actually spending a lot of time at the construction site. So like you're there, on site along with like you know all the construction stuff that's going on and like what are you looking at so we're in a very unique position I think this this project is very different from everything else in DC so we I don't it might have been within the last two years there's an old hotel slash motel that is adjacent to the site and it's actually going to be a part of our phase two we converted that into our office space. So we're right now adjacent to the site. Mm. Um, so Pien Hoffman, this is our largest project. We also do other projects and all the Pien Hoffman employees are here. And, and all the DC Madison Marquette employees are on the second floor. So everybody is adjacent to the site. So almost like I could go out there every single day if I wanted to. Um, one thing I should note within P and Hoffman, I'm on the development side, but we have a construction side as well. 
So I work with my construction manager and he focuses and and talks to our general contractor day to day, knows every detail. Okay. I'm on a lot of the higher level correspondence when it, in terms of like the requisitions, so the invoices every month that like any major um, decisions, like our contract, pricing, budget, I'm on a lot of the correspondence, but every single detail on the construction site, I don't necessarily know about, but my construction manager does. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, so that, that was super helpful because it sort of gives a very high level, but very helpful overview of what a typical real estate development project looks like. Now, one thing which I'm curious about is that you mentioned that how the one that the project that you're working on, that's been going on for 11 years, which is a long time, yes. right? So uh, which of these stages takes the longest? The zoning entitlement, yeah, like that I, I guessed it. Yeah. We, we broke ground back in, I believe it was March, 2014, construction. Oh, wow. And and when so did you file for the 2006, permit? 2006, 2007, roughly, was when we first started with the wharf and entitlement. And there's wow. a long history. Interesting. <laughs> um, wow. So for like for, for close to five years or so, you were just trying to get the zoning and the permits and everything. Yes. And different agreements ground lease, just like everything in place, like there's a land development agreement. So certain requirements that we have to complete as a site, just the background, the backbone of everything that goes into this. Right, right. Yeah. I can imagine that's pretty frustrating, right? Because during that time, do you try and like sort of front load any of the other activities? Well, um, so the good news is I I didn't start I wasn't necessarily a part of that so I didn't I didn't get to experience yeah. um, but you can't really front load you can front load the site planning and kind of figure out well this an office should be here a hotel should be here a condo should be here but you don't want to start the process with like hiring the architect and like all the different architects and all of, and getting down into the details because things like codes change. There's, there's so many things that change between the years that you wouldn't want to get too detailed or there isn't anything that you could do beforehand. Really. You can't do the construction. You can't buy the furniture. You can't buy the pillows because uh, and the fabric, because that that might be dated. You don't want to get financing too early because then you're starting to pay the debt service. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of like you have to get through zoning and get through approving all of the land and the uses and everything from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I think this job requires a lot of patience. But um, <sighs> anyway, so. You are right now in a unique position in that not only are you a real estate project developer, but you're working on the biggest project in DC and one of the biggest on the East Coast. So what difference has that made 
in your life, both professionally and maybe even personally? I would say, um, well, I'll say personally uh, first, there's a lot of exposure. This project is all over D.C. Like everybody talks about it. So, and I think I mentioned this before, like I'll have LinkedIn requests and nonstop, like, do you want to buy this product? Do you want, can we sell you this service? Um, Are you interested in our Kohler fixture, plumbing fixtures? Are you interested in, there's so many people that come and sell stuff to me. Also, we'd love to um, be your interior designer. We'd love for, to look at what have you. So I'm getting that. Then I'm also getting, um, I'm a part of different real estate organizations. Everybody and their mother wants a tour (laughs) of the wharf, like everybody. And then on top of that, on the Canopy by Hilton side, because I have the room here, I've taken various different people, you name it, people that are building um, canopies around the country. People are Um, because the global headquarters is in McLean, Virginia, which is not maybe 20, 30 minutes from our office. So I'm I'm touring them. Um, I'm touring tons and tons of people and everybody has questions. But what I've learned with this job is I've learned actually how to say no. (laughs) It's been very, very difficult. And it hurts because I'm the type of person, I want to be a reliable person. I want to be able to do everything, but I'm only one person. And I, I, so even though I'm saying yes still to a lot of people, there are a lot of people that I say no to. And that, and it's different than my other jobs because of the amount of exposure, like out of the blue, I can't even tell you how many people reach out to me. Job, like they want jobs at Peenhoff. It's just like un- believable multiple times a week at first it was flattering now I'm like okay now um should I add tour guide to my resume um yeah so from a personal perspective I've learned I can't do everything so things that and I'm still I really really need to work on this but things that I don't really want to do I don't do and I I feel better about saying no And then from just a career standpoint, I've like, even during the time that I've worked here, I've got like, I got offered a job from an, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I wasn't looking for one. Like I really, I really, really wasn't looking for one. And I got a job pretty much given to me for good amount of money. um, And I turned it down because I want to finish this job, but like things where I was just like, wow, I'm actually, I think I'm making it. Um, <laughs> so awesome. it, it's a good feeling. Yeah, no, definitely. Congratulations once again, because it Thank really you. sounds that you're working on something really awesome. Like, like you know, one of those once in a lifetime experiences, because you won't yes. get to do something like this again and again. Yeah. Yes. And I, I plan on retiring at 33 <laughs> when I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. So, Next year. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely, you know, from a career point of view, it sounds like a great opportunity. And uh, it does sound like an intense job also. So generally, uh, like, do you get time on weekends? What are your typical working hours like? <laughs> so I'm a workaholic and I've owned it. 
at first I'm like, oh, well, I feel bad. No, I like being a workaholic. The times that I, quote unquote, leave work early, I'm thinking about work anyway. But this is more of me. I've realized that not everybody is like that. And you could be successful by not being a workaholic. You definitely have to put in your time. But like, I just, that's how I'm wired. Hmm. Um, I'm always thinking of something else. But I like my weekends. So there's certain people that they've around at, at Penalfin, there's a lot going on. So they want to come in and they'll work on a Saturday. Um, so they'll leave at like 5 6 o'clock every day. Um, but mind you, we get in a lot earlier because it is a construction site, yeah. but they want to work on a Saturday. I like my weekends. I don't want to work on Saturday or Sunday unless there's something that's really important. Mm-hmm. No, so I will work long hours on the weekday to make sure that I get my stuff done. Yeah. So long hours, what does that mean? We don't need to get into all of that. <laughs> all right. And you're enjoying it, which, which is I mean, what matters. I love, I absolutely love my job. Yeah. Um, and even like going on vacation, where do you stay? You stay at a hotel. So I'm like, uh, like I was at uh, Marriott Marquis in New York City and they have this elevator destination and I was like writing notes. I was like, oh, this place, it's so difficult, the wayfinding, trying to figure out where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. So I was like writing notes about that. I was like the toilet, the I wonder what the water, like the flush, um, because this isn't flushing as like the way I would like it. Like there's <laughs> things that even on vacation, I'm like, oh, this would be yeah. a good idea. What about the lighting? Like, so there's, it's almost like because real estate is so tangible, there's something that reminds me. Like I go to the gym and the equipment is the equip, like the name of the people that I reached out to. And I was like, oh, I, I got a layout and pricing for the equipment from this one. So I'm going to the gym and not thinking about work. And then I see that. So it's not a bad thing. I, I actually truly enjoy it. Yeah. But it's just like because real estate is so tangible, it's all around you at all times. Yeah. Yeah. And that is massive attention to detail, I have to say. So can you share an example of something that you might have done in your job that you're really proud of? So there, I've had a lot of milestones and a lot of accomplishments over the last I started June of 2015 and so I hit the ground running and actually one thing um so I was recently promoted uh to a position that was not they created this position for me and the first one in so I'm the first one in the department in the company with this title and I I got promoted within a year so I was happy about that. Um, That's, I guess, from a personal standpoint. Professionally, every day there um, are small wins. Like um, today with like DC Water, we got sign off from them, Department of Health, and we got sign off earlier in the week and then Energy and Green. So with permitting, that was a, a plus. Then I would say my relationship with the brands, I've had, um, I have a very, very good relationship. I'm, I'm probably an over-communicator. I feel like um, that's better than 
not communicating. Right. And so I try to keep them in the loop and try to make sure that it's a collaborative effort. So I've gotten a lot of praise from various different people, very, very high up, both at um, Hilton and Hyatt. And it's it's a good feeling with that. Uh, closing the loan, uh, $112.8 million was a, a huge accomplishment. No, definitely. Every, this helps every a lot. Yeah. day there's something. Yeah. So I, I'm I, I'm always on to the next, but I should be more reflective and and <laughs> realize. No, this is awesome. Yeah. So so taking a slightly different track, what do you think are some of the common mistakes that people make in this role? Hmm. Common mistakes. I and I maybe it's because I was just speaking about this, uh, communication. So because there's so many cooks in the kitchen, you can't assume things. I feel like I like to cover my bases. People probably get annoyed by the, oh, following up on this email, I just want to, and then my bullet points. And I do it in a nice way where you could kind of scan through the email and not have to read every single detail with bold and make it formatted well. But I like to follow up. And I think following up is so important because it's just like, want to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. Um, like for example, with um, our model room downstairs, there was a lot of back and forth with who's going to purchase the, the sink bowl. And we ended up having to scramble and like, it's, it's a learning experience because there's the general contractor and then there's our FF&E procurement pers- um, agent. Mm-hmm. So they buy all the furniture, but there are pieces that kind of, there's a coordination of going back and forth. Like um, the carpet, for example, the carpet needs to be put in place before um, you put anything else. And so the FF&E procurement agent purchases the carpet, but our general contractor has to give the measurements for it and it's shipped to them, to our general contractor, as opposed to, so like, and so there's so many, the smallest little thing that needs to make sure it's coordinated. Um, like no, who's going to purchase the vacuum that is needed to clean the a hotel and the pots and pans in the in the commercial kitchen the dining and the bar and the cafe and the rooftop and there's so many things that go into a yeah. hotel <laughs> that that's that and I, I think that is something which probably is applicable in other jobs also that it's definitely better to over communicate and then if someone says yeah. hey you know what don't send me any more emails i'm on top of this that's fine but always better to over communicate at least in the beginning Yes. So in your point of view, what do you think? I I think I have a fair idea of the challenging aspects and the interesting aspects of the job. uh, Because just, you know, through the discussion, you've shared a number of them. Can you share examples of some very stressful situations that you might have been in in this job? Hmm. Hmm. Um, Which day? Pick a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um. There's there's never a dull moment. And that's probably my favorite quote. Like there really is never a dull moment. Um, I'm not going to use the example today, but they're something that should be approved and not 
as much of an issue. Um, like it to, we should get it within like a month or two is now drawing out to maybe eight months. I see. Um, and then let me, uh, another example that is, I could use, um, glass, for example, since so many people are building across the United States and this is like a high point in the development, the construction glass is on a demand. So their glass delay, like the, the subcontractors, the manufacturers, they have more leverage because they're like, well, we're backed up. So if you're not in the queue, you'll get it at this point. But we need this glass in order to do. And then there's tons of stuff after. So it's like a ripple effect um, and it's the, it's critical path. So there's certain things that like we need to get this item done in order for all the other things mm. to flow. Um, so it's a constant like but you could we could find that out tomorrow that what have you like um, we found out a couple of months ago brick is now um, in demand and we have it all around our first floor. So we had to order it but get everybody um, needed to see it, approval, all of that, because there was a 12-month lead time or so, something ridiculous. And we needed we need the brick to do this, to do that, to do that. So it's like, it's there's so many things that, that could go on that you're not aware of. But in that same respect, there's so much excitement. Mm. Like there's never a dull moment. <laughs> no, definitely. And that that's a, and now that you say it, I can imagine because you're managing such a huge project with so many moving parts, which are interrelated. So one thing goes wrong yes. and it has a ripple effect. So yeah, that's yes, it. that can uh, that can be pretty bad. So has there been? I mean, you you've spent most of your career in real estate, but in this job specifically, where you're managing a huge real estate project. Uh, have there been any things that have been very unexpected for you? In terms of like... Um, or or let me rephrase oh. the question. Um, do you think that there are any common misconceptions that people might hold about this job? Which, I mean, now you know better. Yeah, so a lot of, I would say... Um, well, when people, when I'm just like, oh, I work at the wharf, like if I'm here in DC, I don't know what their initial thoughts are. Maybe sometimes they're just thinking that it's the construction piece because people see that we're going vertical and the buildings are, are growing. So people are like, Oh, so you're, that's what you do. It's like, there's so much more than just the construction. And like, for example, um, so there are days that I'll stay here really late. And then I'll, I'll, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get here maybe nine 30, the day before I might've gotten there at six or five, who knows? Hmm. Um, and I think there was this, um, maybe it was actually in the evening. I was leaving. It was a Friday. I was leaving at five thirty, and one of my general contractors, one of the people that works for general contractors like, Oh, late night for you. And I'm thinking, what do you think that I do? Because <laughs> like, late night this is probably the earliest like so it's it's almost like people 
And I didn't even really like you don't appreciate it unless you're really doing it. You don't appreciate the soap that's in every single shower unless you're like you have to pick it out. The towels like uh, the mini bar. um, Should the safe open this way or that way? The ironing board. um, Where does the iron go? Where would your suitcase go? There's just so much that people don't, I don't want to say they don't appreciate, but they're not aware of. Um, and I use an example. I have um, an intern that's here. He's um, here for six weeks. He had like his, his father is in the construction and development uh, industry and his sister is an architect, but he has more of an accounting uh, background. And just over, he's been here for four weeks. He's like, I had no idea all of this was involved and like it kind of puts things into perspective like yeah on a day-to-day basis I'm talking to the city about permitting I'm talking to my interior designer about picking this color fabric for our pillows I'm talking to our structural engineer I'm talking to our operations uh, uh, person about what is the budget I'm talking to our lenders getting the the information that they need for what have you, everything. So it's just like no day is like the next. Yeah. And I and I don't mean to because I I thrive. This is what I love. I absolutely love. So I, I'm I wouldn't want it any other way. It's just and I probably am extremely hands on. But then there are aspects like the construction side with my construction manager. I don't, I know our budget. I know like certain submittals and certain requests for information that they need, but I don't know every single detail. I can't. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. This this is great. And I and it's amazing that you like your job so much because there are few people that you meet who are really in love with what they do. So Yes. And I've been here for enough. So it's like, I I know I I love my job on a day to day basis. I might be like, Oh, my God. (laughs) But like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I last Friday, I was I climbed my fifth there are five, excuse me, there's seven tower cranes across my entire site. So the tower crane will lift the concrete like tons and tons, like heavy, heavy. Um, And they go all I think our largest is over 300 feet in the air and it's basically ladders. You walk up a ladder, you walk up a ladder, you walk like you all, it's a lot. And I'm sore after, which is hilarious, but I'm, I've walked up five of our seven tower cranes and I plan on walking wow. the other two. That's so I've, the last one on Friday was 230 feet in the air. Not many people in my office will do it with me. I'm calling them chickens, but <laughs> I'm a daredevil and probably crazy, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. So changing tracks again a little bit. So I'll ask you a few questions from the point of view of someone who might be interested in doing something similar to what you're doing. So let's say you were to hire someone who potentially replaces you. What mm-hmm. are the top five qualities that you would look for in that person? Uh, being able to multitask mm-hmm. and sh- like shift gears uh, is really, really important because whatever you have planned for the day, 
usually is not what goes on. And I think that's the reason why I like to get there early or stay late because I like to finish certain things that I want to finish. Um, so being able to multitask, um, attention to detail is huge. Um, very, very, very important just across the board. Yeah, that's evident. <laughs> you're, um, you're. Being able to like relationship, like your interpersonal skills, because I'm one day I could be talking to my general contractor about and maybe my language isn't always the best, but then I'm talking to the global head of Canopy by Hilton. They're very different conversations very different people then talking to the city very different like and understanding what motivates like my project team who like how you could communicate with them is a person always there in the office in the morning is it best to reach them by phone is it best to reach them by email kind of learning people's communication skills so kind of being able to adapt to different people and being able to I don't want to say likable but it's important to be able to deal with a lot of different people because and then the financing people very, very different yeah individuals um so I would say that um then organized because if you're not <laughs> good luck um <laughs> at least from a project management yeah. perspective yeah. but nothing is like real estate specific from what I had listed. So I feel like people can get into real estate if you're not in real estate now. It might be more difficult, but like a lot of the skills that are important, at least from a real estate development perspective and being a project manager are transferable skills, like knowing how to manage your team. Yeah. No, definitely. And it does sound like a lot of the stuff that you're doing, it's it's a lot about project management and coordination. Yes. So if you're someone who who thrives on just managing a whole lot of moving parts and always sort of having yes. your hands in multiple things, then this could be interesting. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so you said that there is no typical background then. You don't necessarily have to come from a real estate background uh, no, to do what you No. Doing. I mean, it, help, it, it obviously helps. Yeah. Um, and being able to understand design but it's not there are people that come from like more of a finance investment side and they could get into development there are people that are architecture and then they could get into development there are people that are you name it like you can get into it it's being open knowing all the moving parts um, staying on top as much as you can and going from there yeah and generally, what is the typical career path in this job? So, like, what are the different levels? So every every company is is different. With development, I, at a certain point, and I don't know exactly where it is, but at a certain point, I could put money into my project. Uh, I have a lot of student loans, so I don't know what money exactly, <laughs> but... Um, but let me actually say a good thing because I was I got this job through a Wharton connection. So I, I think that my amount of loans are priceless with opportunities like this. But from a development standpoint, like 
at a, in the near future, I'll be able to put money into the development. And I'm kind of part of the investment group in addition to being a day-to-day developer. So there's a lot of money that can be made within development. Um, initially, it might not be as competitive as like investment banking mm-hmm. or like commercial real estate lending. But at least from like a commercial real estate lending perspective, there's kind of like, this is where you're going to go. You'll make a lot, but like you'll stay there. There's a lot of money that could be made within real estate. Can you share some numbers like as a range? Mm, I'd rather not. Okay. Um. (laughs) No, no worries. No worries. Okay. All right. So let's say someone wants to get into real estate development. Are there any resources that they can use either to learn more about the job or uh, to apply for a job potentially? Yes. Well, I would say a person that's interested in real estate, it's very, very important to know where you want to be. Real estate is, there are common themes, but it's very market specific. So for example, like I'm, I'm working with a lot of the government agencies in DC. If I were to move to, let's say even like California, all those relationships are not going to help me in California. So the advice that I give a lot of people is figure out where you would want to be maybe if it's not long-term, but for a longer period of time and start there. Um, That's a lot more important than like, okay, let me um, basically just like the actual specific market, Um, learning the people that are involved, the deals, what's going on, the projects. That's key. Then also joining um, different real estate organizations. I'm a part of Urban Land Institute, uh, ULI, I was a lot more active when I was um, younger. I was chair of one of their subcommittees in the D.C. area before Wharton. Mm-hmm. Now I've kind of I'm an underachiever and I'm a committee member, but I don't <laughs> I realize I don't have time. So that's one of my no's. Yeah. Um, but like it's a great opportunity to meet the players in the industry what's going on, learn about real estate, learn about what the different parts, like the development side, the investor side, dealing with acquisitions, property management, you kind of get to know people and get to know what like the different property types, the different projects. Um, So that's a great way like to kind of get your foot in the door. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, it seems that the, the common theme is that you have to build relationships with the people in the industry, right? One way or the yes. other. Right? Well, relationships are key in real estate. Like yeah. that, I think it's, it, it's not just who you know, it, it's who knows you. So actually going back to your, your question, you kind of took me off guard where it's like, oh, do you know people or like, or do people know you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people like I have a lot I have a huge I wouldn't even say circle just I know a lot of people even from like Facebook I think but either way like I I, I've been different points in my life I'm very friendly outgoing I meet a lot of people but relationships is key 
to real estate. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that to get a job, you have to have someone sort of referring you and vouching for you. Yes and no. I don't think that it, it's as much referrals. I mean, that obviously helps with any job, but it's, it's just, it's building your network, but then it's also the right time with, with development. We're lean and mean, not mean, but like we don't, there aren't like 300 people that work on like one job, like from at Pien Hoffman, for example, we're very, a very lean team. And so because of that, the hiring opportunities, it depends on the oppor- like what, what jobs we have available compared to like an investment bank, like they'll hire like two people from business school every year. It's not, it's really the timing, timing on project, timing on hiring needs. I see. So, so you're almost saying that you have to know the right people so that you know what are the good openings opening up at various times so that you apply at the right time for the right thing. Well, I wouldn't say even people, just projects. Okay. So like a person that doesn't have as much in terms of connections. So it's the, the real estate organization, but then they're also, there are different channels of getting news. Um, there's like real estate alert, there's biz now, there are tons of real estate, I'm thinking newsletters, but just ways of communicating news, knowing what projects are going on and who the developers are and who's the construction, who's the general contractor, what have you, you know, who's, who's active. So it's like, oh, okay, well, Pete Hoffman's were, is doing the wharf. Obviously they're like, they're very, very active. Okay. In New York, there are tons of condos, like huge luxury condos that are being built right now. You find out who the developers are. You start learning about the company. Like with LinkedIn, there's there there's six degrees of separation. They're one person that could bring you to talk to someone else, to talk to someone else. And it, it eventually, it works out. Yeah. Um, so no, this it's, is, it's not just people, it's it's figuring out what projects are are yeah. going on right no, now. No, this is very interesting. And actually, when you're applying for a job, are you applying for a job at a company or for a particular project at a company? At a company. Okay. Um, so I say that because it's just like knowing what company is, is active and um, like if they have a huge pipeline. And so it's... Like, obviously, you would want to work on a specific project. And every, I, I would say every company is different because people could be just hiring for the project. But I would think that they're more consultants and owner reps right. as opposed to um, working for the company. Got it. I happened to um, come to the wharf um, because of, I, uh, excuse me, coming to Pien Hoffman because of the wharf. But like, once my project is slowing down, I'm going to be working on other projects. Right, that makes sense. Okay. And I'm guessing that you would be applying with a resume, right? So are, yes. are there ways in which candidates can stand out? So one thing, and I know I had to apply with a cover letter and a resume. Take the time to make the cover letter meaningful. A lot of people are just put garbage. Like they'll just like... They have the same thing, just insert new company name. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, it, 
and this is me. I I want to stay at a company for a long time. I don't I don't feel like I can get that much for switching jobs every two years. Hmm. So it was important for me not only to like, okay, this job is, uh, this company is hiring. Do I want to work at that company? Uh, I'm, I'm 31 turning 32 at the end of this year. And I'm at a point where I'm not old by any means, but I'm not young anymore. Where do I want to go? Like what's important to me? It's not just an interview. Like they want you. I want to want them too. Um, it's, it's important that if, if I don't see myself in the current role, like um, if I want to be my boss or if I want to be my boss's boss or my boss's boss's boss, I think that's really important. Um, and I realized that from my previous job and realized that it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It was a great opportunity, great company, but it wasn't, it wasn't utilizing my strengths. It wasn't utilizing my interests. I wasn't maximizing Morgan. And with that, like, it's so important. Like, I was like, well, I don't want to be my boss. I really don't want to be my boss's boss or my boss's 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 boss. I don't want to be the CEO of this company. Why am I here? And that helped with, like, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what was most important to me at my job. Yeah. Now, that is is great, great advice. So... We are now coming to a close of the interview. I would love to know what is it that inspires you to do well in your job? That I'm going to open two hotels. Like, how cool is that? Like, <laughs> and it's mine. Like, and I know that sounds, no, that's, <laughs> sounds probably a little no, like a lot, that's, that's so but it's cool, just though. like, it's like such a feeling that at the end of the day, like those are mine because even working at Archon, I was an assistant project manager. So I, I answered to like, you learn a whole lot, but it wasn't my baby. Like these are my babies. (laughs) Mind you, I have a lot of cooks in the kitchen that if they want that, that's what we're going to have. But no one if the job is over budget, if it's, if it's delayed, it's my fault. So when on that same respect, when it opens, it's, those are my babies. Yeah, no, <laughs> so it, make, it yeah. brings me, it brings me so much joy. I love it. I absolutely love it. And yeah. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah, No, I mean, the passion for this is literally dripping from your voice i mean i I, we're we're recording this audio i can't see your face but it's so clear to me (sighs) that you're in love with what you do which is great yes no i truly am it it, it excites me it really does yeah all right thank you so much morgan this was amazing very detailed very helpful super super exciting is there any other parting advice you'd like to share with anyone who's interested in this role I would say just take the chance and apply, not always on the like monster, I don't even know, or even LinkedIn, because sometimes they have this computer system that doesn't always go through all of the applications. Like it may, it may not ever get to the person. So I'm not saying that's the best avenue, 
but just still take a risk. Um, you'd be surprised. And, and being at this job, I, I realized there are a lot of bold people. Um, and so it's just have the confidence. You could do it. It's just, just believe in yourself. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's I, great. I would say it all is going to work out in the end. So fake it until you make it or fake it until you become it. So. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Morgan. Uh, and thank you. Yeah, hopefully you get some good amount of sleep today for a fresh day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that was Morgan on real estate development. I really, really hope that you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Morgan or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. You can also tweet at us at LED underscore curator. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn educate discover you can find the list of all the past episodes and a lot of other exciting resources for you on our website at www.learneducatediscover.com of course if you enjoy our show if you find it helpful you can subscribe to the show simply find us on itunes or soundcloud or stitcher or whatever other player you find is great for you for listening to podcasts search for learn educate discover hit subscribe and while you're at it leave us a review. It really means a lot. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.